Welcome to Voices, a podcast that dives deep into the lives of fashion creatives to explore diverse perspectives on creativity, inspiration, and experiences that shape who we are as humans in a world where the power of our voices matter. I'm your host, Ashley Kilback. Today's guest is Esther Humpel of Duval. Duval is an up-and-coming handbag line based out of Edmonton, Alberta. Drawn to design from a young age, Esther knew that fashion was her calling. It wasn't until years later when she landed a retail job at Holt Renfrew where she discovered a newfound love for handbags. This inspired Esther to step away from selling things created by other designers and launch her own namesake label, Duval. In today's episode, Esther talks about practicality in design, her experiences as a self-taught designer, and why it matters that we give back through the things that we create. Hi Esther, welcome to Voices. Thanks so much for being on the podcast with me today. You and I connected very genuinely, I would say, when we were at Park together, hey? Yeah, yeah, it felt like we knew each other. Yeah, it was really nice. I think that I kind of just, like, kept coming around to your booth and, like, we kept just having, like, little mini conversations in between times when you were really busy and I kind of kept coming, popping by and we kind of had all different kinds of conversations, but um, it was nice and I think that's what really made me want to bring you on the podcast, I think, because we just connected so genuinely and we, like, yeah, we had a lot of, we had lots of great little mini chats about a lot of, like, different kinds of things, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, thanks. So. I'm ex- really excited to have you on here today. Um, so tell me, uh, tell me about your journey to becoming a fashion designer. I know that uh, I'm always interested in what your influence is because you know I read that you were you know just a little girl that was really into fashion that wanted to change the world. So what what influenced you when you were younger um, up until I guess where you are now? Yeah. Okay. So my journey just kind of took me all over the place. Um, but basically, like, I, I used to run around my house when I was, like, five years old and, like, style myself with, like, my brother's jean jacket and my mom's clothes. Like, you name it, I would just, like, pull together looks. And, like, I didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't even have a concept of what fashion was. I just, like, this is something I like to do. Um, and then also, like, my mom, she taught me how to sew when I was about five. So, again, I still, like, I knew how to sew, but I just, I didn't really connect the dots with the fact that I, like, had this deep-rooted love for fashion. Right. Um, Did she ever explain to you, or, or, like, did you ever ask her why um, she got you interested in sewing at such a young age? Um, no. I've never asked her, but it's funny because my mom's actually not into fashion at all. Interesting. Um... But I think it was more so like the 1950s housewife, you know, you need to know how to sew and like how to cook and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, was just, it literally yeah. was like a credential to be like a good wife, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of... So um, bizarre how like that just doesn't fly anymore, right? Know, but yeah, it's okay. It worked out. 
Um, so yeah, I guess that, that was kind of the start of my love of fashion. And then growing up, when I was maybe eight or so, I was like drawing out shoes and I was like, I'm going to be a shoe designer. And like, I'd go through these like random phases, like throughout life where I was like, I'm going to design this, I'm going to design that. And it was just, just kind of, I don't know, something I like to do. And then kind of in the junior, in my junior high and high school years, I got more into like the business side of things. So I would read business books. I was like 15 reading these books, which is also odd, but hey, you know what, I, I learned a lot. Yeah, you got, um, a, you got a head start. Yeah, so then for a while, I was like, I'll go into business, and then in high school, I was like, hey, no, like, the only class I like is fashions. I don't care about anything else, so I'm going to go to design school, so I kind of started researching stuff and then told my family, like, I'm going to go abroad or somewhere um, to study fashion, and they're like... that's the stupidest thing. You're going to go get a fashion degree. It's going to be useless and you're going to end up working retail. Mm -hmm. So how did you, how did you respond to that originally? So I listened to them. Um, and I was, cause they like, it kind of bummed me out cause I, I knew what I wanted to do, but I also still didn't know what, what I wanted to design. I just knew I wanted to design. That was kind of all, Mm -hmm. um, do you so have like I a deep rooted like th- influence? Like, is there a reason why? Like, is there something in your like childhood or like something that you were inspired by that made you so drawn to design, or it was just something that you naturally, like, you were just naturally artistic your whole life? There wasn't anything specific. I don't think that drew me to design. It was just something inside of me. Like, it was just kind of a, almost a self expression. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to create cool things that people would wear. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I don't really know. Um, My dad's family is from a really small town in Quebec, and it's a very artistic town. There's, like, so many painters, wood sculptors, and that kind of thing. So that kind of runs in my family, Mm -hmm. like, various artistic uh, things. But, like, that Mm -hmm. wasn't really an inspiration right which is interesting that your parents originally were very hesitant or almost like rejected the idea of you going to fashion school which seems interesting given the fact that like your father grew up in like a very like artistic environment right so like um yeah why why do you think that was I think they were almost maybe too practical if I went down the fashion school route I wasn't gonna guaranteed you know become a big designer or like get a great job mm-hmm. and though that like for them it was more pro- of a practicality thing I think that they kind of uh, told me I shouldn't do that mm-hmm. yeah so yeah so you never ended up going to school yeah. so yeah I never ended up going to school um, and then I worked retail for years. <laughs> so your so parents, no. like, foresh- <laughs> so your yeah. parents basically foreshadowed, right. <laughs> foreshadowed the future of your career. You're like, thanks mom and dad for ruining my, for ruining my yeah. dreams. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I worked in retail, um, and I was like in management and stuff for a number of years mm-hmm. and I was selling cell phones out of all things. Like, okay. Not so you weren't even fashion at all. No. Okay, very interesting. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of interesting, though. I mean, it was, I think every job that I've had has kind of, like, driven me down the path that 
to where I am now, which is mm-hmm. nice. Like I learned a lot of things from mm-hmm. that year. Right. Um, or from like the years I was in management. And then I wanted to get out of retail. So this is kind of where like my journey took me, took a big turn. So I wanted to get out of retail and I decided to do something completely different. Um, and I became a legal assistant. Okay. Which at first I was super excited about. And then within three months, I started realizing I absolutely hated my life like it was the worst job but I was pregnant so I couldn't leave right so I had to like stay you know my entire pregnancy at this like just the worst job I was so unhappy and I think like adding the fact that you were pregnant on top of that probably just made you like Like, yeah you could have strangled some people probably yeah yeah (laughs) it was the worst year and then after that, I like I vowed to never settle again. I'm like, this this can't happen. I just wasted a year of my life, and I was really bummed out about it for a while, because I yeah I just felt like I literally wasted a mm-hmm. whole year, right? Um, and didn't really advance anywhere. Um, but retrospectively, like that was what I needed. That was the catalyst to like push me forward to be like, Hey, you hated and wasted one year of your life. You can't ever do that again. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's what made me, um, just go after something I liked. Right. So I still didn't start designing at that point. So after my daughter, I, um, I actually went to work at Holt Renfrew. Okay. I was like, it's going to be fun. You know, like shop all day, and it, it was a good couple of years, and then I had my son, but it was, um... What, was, was, what was the process like applying for that job? Did you, like, was it pretty easy to work there? Like, because for some yeah. reason I seem like, Holt seems like, honestly, like, fashion planet when you walk in there, right? It's like you're in a different world. Yeah. Like, so to me, when I think of, like, all the salespeople that are there, I'm like, I wonder what they had to do to get here. <laughs> You're like, do they have to, like, go through some kind of, like, secret process or, like, you know, like, I just, like, I think of it as, like, just, like, this, like, outer-worldly, like, you need to, like, like, this (laughs) underground fashion cult of, like, you need to do these things to be able to, like, get to our sales floor kind of thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I think that, but I think Uh, it just goes, like... Well, I can have fun with this and just tell you a bunch of stuff, but no. (laughs) It's pretty straightforward. I mean... I had actually applied there three times um, in the last number of years, Um, but I think I eventually got in because I had had like four or five years of retail management. Um, So that I think that's kind of why I I ended up getting right. You had a lot of you had a lot of experience just in that industry, right? So of course that would make sense as to why you were a great hire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's that's how I kind of got in there. Mm -hmm. And Um, did you enjoy it? I really liked it. It was super fun. Um, and I worked in the handbags department and the accessories, which um, I, I liked handbags before, but I didn't understand the craftsmanship behind them. I didn't, I didn't understand all that until I kind of worked there. And I, that's when I really fell in love with leather and handbags and just how accessories can really they change your outfit. You could be wearing like a $50 outfit from like H&M. And if you've got a great handbag, 
no one's going to realize you paid $5 for your shirt. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> so, right. You know, like that was, yeah, that's kind of what made me fall in love with handbags, which obviously directly um, influenced resulted your... in this right. whole thing with Duval. Um, but yeah, so like when I was working there and I was like selling these designs, I... I pretty quickly was like, I don't want to sell somebody else's stuff. Like, I look at this stuff and I want to make my own designs because mm-hmm. I think I could make it better or, you know, like I'd like it more. Right. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> basically, uh, after I had my son, I was like, okay, that's like, while on a, I'm on mat leave is when I need to get all my ducks in a row, start my business, mm-hmm. and then there I think that's such a great like that's such a great period of your life to actually learn something new right because it's like you are very much busy at home raising children like that is a job in itself right but I mean there are down times when they're napping and it's like you have time for yourself and like that's kind of where it's really great to tap into like those creative moments or like you know even to start learning something new that way because then you know you kind of have you almost have like the the discipline to sit home because when you have those moments to of quiet to yourself where you can learn you probably were like excited it probably gave you like fuel right yeah 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 it was it just kind of uh just gave me a purpose I'm not like a I'm not really a housewifey type of person Mm -hmm. um I, I'm very much career oriented so even though I do take care of my kids full-time and I work from home like I do, I really love that I'm home with them, but at the same time, my career is pretty high up on my list too, mm-hmm. way before making muffins and other stuff. Yeah, like that. exactly. So, right. Yeah. It, it's a good combination. Mm-hmm. Have you always been like, have you always been a, an accessories girl? You know what? I, uh, I think I finally found like what I truly love in fashion in the last few years. I w- I experimented a lot kind of in high school and I can't say I was I was necessarily an accessories girl I'm not a jewelry person mm-hmm. for sure handbags I always liked but I would I never dished out any money on like on a nice handbag until I started working at Holt really um so I I wasn't necessarily like a handbag girl but I wasn't like I was just experimenting I just would try various trends and now I now I got I got a good groove. I, I know who I am. Mm-hmm, I know who you are, right? I'm most definitely an accessories girl. Yeah. Handbag especially and scarves. I love scarves. Scarves are yeah, so. scarves are awesome and something that I always am drawn towards and I wanna yeah. wear more of them and I I don't. Like I like I'm very much about like the dainty scarves though. Like very yeah. much like the flight attendant type scarf. Like I just like I really like that style too. Um, so tell me like, what was, you know, when you had that kind of like aha moment working at Holt where you're like, handbags are my thing. Like this is really, I want to make my own handbags. Um, what was that starting point? Because obviously you hadn't worked with leather. You hadn't even designed anything up until that point. Right. Um, so I guess what was the thought process for you of being like, okay, like what do I need to do to start making this happen? Yeah. Um, so before... I guess I, I had a slight uh, encounter with handbags before I was working with Holt, or at Holt, um, probably a couple years before working at Holt, I really wanted, like, a fold-over clutch, mm-hmm. um, 
they're all over the place now. But at the time, I wanted this fold-over clutch. Nobody made them. And I was trying to, like, tell my husband about it. And he's like, why don't you just, like, try to make your own? So I, like, I did buy fake leather and, like, made myself this uh, this little, like, fold-over clutch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I like, I had fun. I made the pattern from scratch, just kind of figured it out. But I really did not like working with, like, this fake leather. So I just didn't even think twice about it. I just made it wore it it was fine but I'm like I'm never gonna sew that stuff again yeah and then didn't think about it at all till then when I was at uh when I was at Holt and I was like hey this I need to figure something out with handbags um and like kind of try to work with leather so I just like googled stuff YouTube stuff and just tried to educate myself as much as I could and then mm-hmm. Yeah, and what was it? I mean, like, that, like what a beauty to live in the time that we do right now, right? Which is like, yeah. you know, if there's something that you really want to do, and you're like so determined, and then it's like, but you don't want to pay yeah. thousands of dollars, you know, to uproot your life or something else, or go to school and do something, right? Like, it's you know, it's such a cool time, I think, and a lot of times we take it for granted that we have so many resources, just because that's like we're we're so like you know conditioned to live that way now, right? Yeah. Um, was it hard to find? Like, was it hard, was it hard to teach yourself in the beginning? It was really frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um, What was the hardest part? I think the hardest part was not knowing anything at all going into it. Um, Just trying to figure out, uh, like, what tools I needed. And even, you know, when it came to doing edges and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, I had no clue. Like, I was cutting this leather and I'm like this looks great, but, like, the edge looks messy. How do I make that? Like, what is that thing called that goes on the edge? So you're, like, trying to, like, you have, I had just no foundation of knowing even what to start Googling, really. So it was just, yeah, it was a lot of blind searches and typing in the dumbest thing (laughs) into my Google, hoping that Google would be like, I yeah, got you Google. Like, I, Google, like, what is the what is the anatomy of a handbag? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, yeah, just, I guess, terminology and tools and stuff, I just had zero clue about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so how long did it take you to kind of start really for, fully formulating an idea of how a handbag was made? All in all, it took me about a year of, like, doing my business plan teaching myself how to work with leather and designing my um my first collection and launching so all of that was like a solid year of like I was at home on maternity leave but I was googling stuff every day for hours at a time just like trying to learn Mm -hmm. so yeah it was it was quite a bit um especially that it like I knew what I wanted to do, but it was just kind of like, okay, now what? Right. I know what I want. Yeah, exactly. And how important was having a business plan? Because, you know, I think that, um, and I guess I can't speak for all designers because, you know, I'm I'm not a designer myself, but, um, you know, just thinking about the way, like we talked about how creativity is always at the forefront. That's the number one thing, you know, if you don't have any other experience, right? And like, I'm, I'm assuming that most of these careers are just started by, you know, knowing that you have the talents and the ability to make a beautiful garment and just kind of like kind of just letting your creativity flow with the wind and kind of letting it go that way so for you like you said you are very business-minded as well um so how did um 
having a business plan for your designs really like set you up for success? So I actually kind of did it backwards because when, when I say that I'm a designer, um, like I, I actually did my business plan and did all of that first before I actually designed anything. Mm -hmm. So I kind of did it all backwards. Um, but it really, it set me up to know what kind of what direction I wanted to design my first collection. Mm -hmm. Right. So I guess in the world of entrepreneurship, you did things the right way. Yeah. Right. But I guess (laughs) in terms of the creativity and design, it's a bit backwards because usually people start with the creativity aspect first. Right. Yeah. So it, uh, it definitely helped me kind of know what direction I wanted to take, um, and kind of what I wanted to design, uh, first and foremost, cause I had like made up this ideal customer even before I'd even designed my purse. I like made up this ideal customer that I would want to sell to. And then I then just made some like made something cool that that person would want. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but still putting my flair. Like I, I only design stuff that I would wear. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah. that's a question <laughs> that I was going to ask you too. I said, um, like, are your designs very much the product of something that you would wear? Cause sometimes designers, it's the opposite. They would never wear, they would never wear, but they design. Right. Oh, I, I only make stuff I would wear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like if I don't want to see it on myself, I don't want to see it on someone else. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, which is very much fair, especially cause it's something that's coming from you personally. Right. Where it's like, yeah. you want to know that it's good enough, uh, like a good enough product that you would keep for yourself. Right. Yeah. And what do you think, what do you, what do you see in terms of trends of like accessories in terms of handbags? You know, what are women looking for these days? Like, I remember I went through such an interesting phase. Um, you know, I've never really been a huge purse girl. I usually always have one. I buy an ex- like I buy a relatively expensive one, you know, and I kind of just like keep it and use it until it basically is like, you know, it's time for a new one kind of thing. Right. And I mean, I did go through that phase where like, I thought huge purses were like, such a cool thing to have where I literally like, yeah. and they ended up being like 15 pounds and only causing me shoulder, like shoulder pain by the end of the day. Yeah. Do the pyro. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> um, and of, of course, like my style has changed since then, since then as well. But, um, what are you seeing now? Um, like what do, what do women want from a handbag? I feel like it's gone smaller, mm-hmm. especially with all the minimalist trends lately. People just want to downsize um, and also just kind of keep them simple and classic, either that or very like outrageous. There's mm-hmm. kind of like not much in between. I feel mm-hmm. it's very like one spectrum, one side of the spectrum, yeah. spectrum or the other. Right. Yeah. Like you have your super classic bag and then you have like a crazy, crazy one. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, but I, I'm very much of a classic person. So I kind of tend to ignore all the crazier stuff. I try to have something kind of for every occasion still. Mm-hmm. So it's very vers- yeah, versatile. But I mean, like you said, like very like classic, simple, modern pieces really yeah. are very versatile for a very like lots of different things. Right. Um, why did you name, why did you name it Duval? Duval is actually my maiden name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I was, that's what I, was, I had an inkling that I was like, I'm sure that, that that's actually her last name. So is there really like significance um, for the, like, what does the name Duval mean? I actually have no idea. You have no idea? (laughs) So you've just created as, like, your, like, your namesake label, right? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. For years. Like, I mean, I knew I wanted to design, and I knew that 
whatever label, whatever I would design would be named Duval. I just, it's like short and sweet, easy to say, Mm -hmm. but there's just too many reasons not to pick that. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about your creative process. So walk me through it. Um, What does it look like when you sit down to make a handbag? When I sit down to make a handbag, um, kind of usually stems from when I want something from like, I need this kind of clutch or I need this kind of bag. That is usually what, uh, what kind of triggers it all. But, um, basically I'll sit down and kind of draw out a rough idea of what I want, um, which I'm a, I'm horrible at drawing, like my sketches are very bad, but hey, <laughs> at least it's kind of getting what's in my brain down on paper. Right. Um, and then from then on, I uh, craft like a paper version of the bag. So I'll like draw out a pattern and then try to kind of like somewhat see if it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, if it actually looks like what I was thinking. And then once I make my, uh, my paper like, it's like cardstock or whatever. Um, once I make that, then I make one with leather. And then typically that first prototype, I'm like drawing on it, cutting it up, trying to get it a little bit more perfect. And then I, I have to do that typically two or three times. So I end up, yeah, making a few bags at the beginning to just kind of tweak it here and there. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, that's that's kind of. Um, where does how your, it all where does your inspiration from? It just it basically just draws from a personal need that you have, where you're like, "This is missing in my life, and I need it." Yeah, I think right now, like I have so many different ideas of what I want to do in the future with Duval. My first collection was very much on basics, like I wanted to have the black on black basics for everything in life. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm I'm kind of getting more creative um, with designing my future collections. Just I do want to add some color um, and different shapes and stuff, but I don't have like a specific inspiration per se. Mm-hmm. I would say you're very, it's interesting because <laughs> early in our conversation we were talking about, you know, how your parents really instilled the idea of practicality. And I think yeah. that's really carried over in your designs, right? Where it's like you don't necessarily have to always have this like very grandiose inspiration for what yeah. you want to do. You can really just have that sense of practicality where it's just like, you know, this is something that I'm missing in my life and I'm sure that it's missing in another woman's life. So I'm yeah. just going to create it from that, right? Yeah. Somebody else out there has to be like me a little bit. Right? And have you come to, have you come to learn that? Like, have you, um, have you realized that you've kind of taken a hold of, like, that sense of practicality, like, your parents kind of instilled? Or, like, how they kind of live by as well? Yeah, I actually never realized it until a conversation I had with somebody at Park in Calgary. And they were talking about how um, a lot of Canadian designers... Some people say that Canadian designers tend to be a little bit more practical than certain other outrageous designers like that are international. And I was like, wait, what? Practical Canadian designers? Oh my god! Like, why did I not make this? And that was like that aha moment where you're like, wow. (laughs) 
Yeah, so somebody else made the connection for me, and then I, like, after, I was just thinking about it more, and I was like, yeah, like, my whole life has been on, like, my parents always instilled practicality in so many different ways. Like, I never got those, like, pretty fun shoes, because my mom was like, no, get the other ones, they're practical. (laughs) Right. So, you know, like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny how things stick that with you, you know, for such a long time. And it just like, it's, I mean, it's all about self-discovery. And it's funny when those things kind of unravel, right? Yeah, Um, you you don't really think about it until somebody else points it out. Right, exactly. Um, Tell me a bit about your experience with being um, a designer from Canada and, and, of course, designing everything yourself. Designing in Canada, I feel like people are very receptive to local. Mm -hmm. Um. So it's been really good in that sense. Like people just just try to um, to support you know Canadian designers, and there's just a really good community. Mm-hmm. Even and though it's a even, small community, right? So I guess so, even Edmonton so specifically, fair. right? How has Edmonton, um, how has Edmonton as a as a city helped you grow? Like and I guess and supported you, right? Yeah, it's been so good. Um, I I didn't expect that much love back from from the city I'm in, um, so many people just have been supportive in so many different ways, whether it was, like, media or people, like, friends and family, just so, so many different ways, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's been really good, and, yeah, I think Canadian fashion is, is getting there, like, we're making more of a mark, um, it's a slow process, though, mm-hmm. but, yeah, I'm really, really happy that I'm from Canada. I think it's something that, like, I I will always push that uh, my brand is designed in Canada. It may not always be manufactured here. I, I have no idea exactly what uh, what the future for that aspect of my business, mm-hmm. um, what happens once it grows a little bit more. But at the end of the day, I really want to make, like, a brand that, as a, as Canadians, we're super proud of, you know, mm-hmm. like Chanel is obviously from France or, you know, Balenciaga, like, you know, like all these big brands and you know where they're from. Right. And yeah, I just, I hopefully, fingers crossed that, we'll that we can get to that point like that right? for Canada. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to be said and, you know, it's, you know, I think we kind of always... Um, I, uh, of having that conversation all the time where everyone's like, you got to leave Canada if you want to be in the industry, right? Where, you know, that's a lot of people are wanting to kind of just like, just be patient and wait it out, which I think is, yeah. which I think is really a great thing for, you know, us living where we are. I think yeah. we're just, I think we've adapted to the whole um, I guess mentality that it's just like, you know, if we're, if we're patient and we work hard. Yeah, Something, it'll get there. You know, it'll get there, right? What yeah. what's been the big what's been the biggest challenge for you so far? Sourcing. Mm-hmm. Sourcing leather has been the hardest. Where do you source your leather from? I try to buy from uh, Canadian distributors. So the leather typically comes from the states. Um, so I buy some from Toronto and uh, Calgary, and then I've bought a little bit from the states before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very difficult because like leather, no two hides are the same. Right. So a lot of distributors will only buy a certain amount of, uh, 
of one type of leather and then they don't get it in again. So the hardest thing has just been trying to find a supplier that I can continually reorder the same type of leather from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's been a little bit of a struggle, but it, it's getting there. Unfortunately, I'll probably have to, like going forward, I'll mostly be ordering from the States. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, especially because it is such a, um, like, what have you learned about leather and working with leather? Because I just feel like it's such a, like, it's such a craft, right? Like, I think when yeah. you see a beautifully handcrafted leather piece like you know there's just like so much love and there's a lot of patience that has gone into making it right so like what have you what have you learned about leather itself and what have you learned about like yourself through like learning how to be like a craft a craft craft woman I guess you could say um of leather it's just got a mind of its own like every single hide is completely different and I don't know. There's just so much personality to it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like, yeah, depending on what height I'm working on, I like there. Okay. Actually this stands out. Um, last year I had this one hide that was so tough to cut and like stitch and everything I did. And I was like, this, I bet this cow was super stubborn. Right? <laughs> like I bet it just like, was like, I'm going to get you till the very end. Yeah. <laughs> Make life difficult. Right. Yeah. But anyways, it was just, uh, it was just really funny, probably a gross example, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, it's got so much personality and character and just working with it has made me a lot more patient, I think, just because mm-hmm. it takes so much time to work with leather compared to, to fabric. Like fabric is just so easy. Right. It's, push it through the sewing machine no big deal you don't need to hammer anything through yeah yeah <laughs> and what, so what kind of tool what kind of tools do you use to work with other um so the main things that I use are I have this little tool that has like five or six prongs mm-hmm. and I just hammer that through so those little prongs poke all the holes mm-hmm. um, and then after that I go through and hand stitch every single like everything mm-hmm. um I don't use a machine and other than that like I have other little tools they're really kind of hard to describe but just to kind of finish up the edging mm-hmm. um, to like clean everything up and then mm-hmm. yeah that's mostly what I what I use mm-hmm. so tell me about the future of your brand the future that's the best what I, part <laughs> what idea what ideas do you have buzzing right um, now so I really want to expand a little bit more into accessories mm-hmm. um I love scarves like I said earlier so you you might see some of those come up um I want to grow it into just like an ex- uh, solid accessory brand uh first and foremost and of course expand um the various leather goods that I have mm-hmm. and then when the time is right, I definitely do want to do clothing. So I would uh, would do like women's ready to wear. Mm-hmm, very cool. So yeah, that's I mean that's like a far plan right now. I, I definitely just will be focusing on leather goods to start off with, mm-hmm. get a good foundation with that, and then right. then eventually grow it. But I yeah, I have big plans for Duval. It's just 
They're slowly but surely getting there, little bit by mm-hmm. little bit every day. <laughs> yeah, all that matters is that you started, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I have no worries. I have no regrets that I never tried mm-hmm. this, right? What advice would you have for other people that are wanting to start a career in the fashion industry, but um, maybe are feeling stuck or don't know, don't know where to start? Um, I think connecting with your local community, um, just connecting with other creatives that, uh, in fashion and bloggers or, you know, like anybody that you can kind of meet up that has the sort, you know, sort of the same likes as you. Mm -hmm. And from that, from that community, you'll get more support to, uh, to be able to like get the guts to kind of dive in and start Mm -hmm. and yeah you just need to start though like that's that's the hardest part is just deciding like okay I want to do this I'm gonna go ahead with it it's a scary step but you know if you if you have a little community around you you'll do great Mm -hmm. you'll yeah because always that's the most important thing right having a community is you're always going to help each other rise higher right so I think that's um Yeah, and that's interesting because the book that I'm reading right now is all about the difference between starving and thriving artists. Um, And that's one of the most, uh, like, yeah, one of the lessons that he kind of teaches in his book is that, you know, you need to sound like surround yourself with, like, patrons, like, people that'll really, like, help your work survive, right? Because if you just think that you can do everything on your own. So interesting. What book is that? Um, Real Artists Don't Starve by Jeff Goins. Okay, I'm going to need to read that. Yeah, yeah. that to your list. That's a good one. Yeah, so, community definitely is a big one. And even, like, once you start, the connections that you're going to make through those other people, and, it, like, it's just going to have this ripple effect, and you're mm-hmm. going to end up meeting hundreds of new people that, you know, were around this whole time, but, you know, now they're they're kind of helping you on your journey to, to starting your business. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and also, I know that you have um, more of a purpose to your designs as well. So 10% of your proceeds go to charity, right? So tell yeah. me why you decided to do that and um, what are some of your what are some of your favorite charities? Yeah, so that started actually before I even had my business plan done. It was like hands down. I knew that my business, would need to have a philanthropic aspect to it. Um, I think there's so many different ways that we can all make a difference in the world. It it doesn't have to be money. It can be time. Um, So many different ways. But as a business, I I just wanted to have that core foundation of, you know, it's not all about me making money. It's also about the world that I live in and I need to Mm -hmm, do something good for that world. Um, so that was just kind of like a no brainer. I had to have that core in my business. Um, so we donate 10% of all our profits to charity. So right now I'm partnered at partnered up with one of my favorite, uh, charities that's actually based out of Red Deer. Um, and it's called a better world. So they do lots of different various projects kind of across the world, but the project that we're involved in right now is the textbook program. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. So the textbook program actually um, provides textbooks to children in need in Kenya. 
because right now, typically the average is five students per one textbook. Mm-hmm. Pretty crazy. Yeah, that is. So it's just kind of trying to bridge that gap, give them more reading material and, you know, help them get a better education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think that's, you know, it's such a, it is, it's like one of the most important pillars to have in life, you know, is to have a philanthropic goal of some sort or, you know, you know, go to be, yeah. go beyond yourself, you know, to use, use the money that you've created to yeah. help change your life, but also, you know, help change somebody else's <laughs> in the process, which I think is, um, it's such, it's such an important thing. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely, like, it's just not, all, it's not all about ourselves. Like we're all in this together. We're all in this world together. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm just lucky that I live in a country where I could just start this up overnight and just decide to do this. Right. But, uh, Lots of people in other countries don't even have that the slightest opportunity. Right. I feel like, as someone who is so blessed in that sense, I I absolutely have to give back. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, I I mean, in the future, we'll be working with various other um, other charities as well. I'm I'm not really stuck to one per se. But it's just, yeah, it was just a good point to start with. I really liked A Better World mm-hmm. and uh, kind of what they stand for. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, Esther, the last question that I always ask guests is, um, how do you want to use your voice um, to make a difference in the fashion industry? And, I mean, you very much are by just, you know, even having a charity aspect to your business. But um, how do you want to use your voice in the future to really make an impact? Um, I really want to inspire people, I mean, through, through charity, um, and just, just to do what you can to make this world better, but also, um, just to kind of have like a solid foundation of basics. (laughs) I want that to be my voice, like just (laughs) that go-to brand, like let the simplicity speak for itself. Right. And the craftsmanship and... That kind of thing. So yeah, I think, I think kind of those two things. Would, mm-hmm. yeah. And where can we find your brand? Where can we follow you? Where can we buy your handbags? Yeah, so um, you can buy my handbags at uh, duvalcanada.com. And all across social media, you can find us at Duval Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and then personally, you can follow my life. I don't post very often, but on Instagram, I'm uh, Esther... G-H-D. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, amazing. Thank you so much for this conversation today. I'm so happy that we got to kind of talk and get more in depth than we did the last time. And uh, yeah, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. earbuds enjoyed what they heard today head on over to vocalize.fashion and make the voices podcast a part of your weekly routine episodes are now streaming on soundcloud and itunes